Hello, everyone. Welcome back on the HRW Shift podcast. I'm Alex. I'm a senior behavioral science analyst, part of the HRW Shift team. And with me, I've got Tony, a behavioral analyst at the Shift team. Hi, Tony. Hi, Alex. It's good to be here again. Good to see you again. And I've got Rory as well. This is my first really? podcast. Really? Oh, okay. This is my first podcast of my life. So, oh, yeah. got Rory with us as well on the first podcast of his life. Do you want to tell us, just in one, two sentences, a little bit about yourself? I'm Rory. I work at HRW. I've been here for about a year. I work predominantly as a research executive, so I'm working more research side. I do have some involvement with the SHIFT team. I have a bit of a background in behavioral science, of mental health, trying to help people learn how to nudge themselves. And that's a very important area to focus on, empowering people with behavioral science. I'm very interested in the, the intersection between behavioral science and and health so that kind of brought me here that's wonderful thank you in today's podcast we will uh, talk about common biases that we encounter and we've encountered in our work in ATP research and uh, this podcast is part of a two-part mini-series uh, the next one which will air in the new year will look at common biases encountered in patient research Focusing on ACP, at HRW, we do a lot of research involving physicians. And ACPs are key to driving treatment choice. They are very knowledgeable. They're expert individuals. However, they are humans like us, and therefore they are prone to the same biases that we are all prone to and their patients might be prone to. They may be more likely even to face a particular set of biases due to their expertise, their training, even their hierarchical relationships to their patients, their journey to becoming an uh, ACP. And in our ACP research, we do make sure to take all of this into account. So because of that, identifying behavioral biases that come up in ACP's judgment can really help us identify the appropriate methodology for interviews, but also nudges and solutions to the barriers that we may identify in our research. It's important here to mention that biases, so errors in thinking and heuristics, so mental shortcuts, rules of thumb, can be good. And they did evolve as a way for us to cope with the complicated world. And they've also appeared to, of course, enable easier and faster decision making. So they can be quite clever things. But of course, that means that they can also affect HCPs. And HCPs can also fall back to heuristics in consultations. For example, when they are under time pressure, to give a quick example here in the UK, a consultation time is roughly 15 minutes. So there's a lot for the ACP to do in those 15 minutes. So then they might reach out to heuristics to enable themselves to make easier, a quicker decision. And they might be doing that because they might try to avoid cognitive load. Cognitive load tells us that our brain energy, which is already finite, gets more and more depleted if we have to deal with complex information, complicated information, difficult scenarios, which often ACPs have to deal with. So them reaching onto heuristics is a way to deal with that and to ease the cognitive load on their part and make decision making easier for themselves. But of course, that may come with errors uh, at times. And yeah, we were talking about the ways that doctors are being portrayed in the media. And uh, I was thinking of one of my favorite TV shows called House MD, where doctors can be portrayed portrayed as egotistical or a bit arrogant. What do you guys think of this portrayal? We do find in the research that we do that HCPs are often motivated by ego, but this is not really a criticism of them because ego is not necessarily a bad thing. And just to clarify, not every doctor fits into the stereotype too, but ego is not necessarily a bad thing or a good thing because ego is something that's really important for us, for our self-esteem. And also there's evidence that ego is really important for memory consolidation as well. And it's also really important for determining our relationship with the outside world. 
So the fact that HCPs are and must feel like they are the expert in a room is not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, often it's definitely a good thing where, you know, patients do kind of want their physician to take a lead on treatment decisions. And yeah, HCPs need to feel like they're competent and prepared to deal with any given situation because they have a great deal of responsibility on their plate, right? Because their treatment decisions can often be life or death for patients at times, depending on the therapy area, of course. And it's also important for them too, because their own reputation and their own self-esteem may hang in the balance based on their treatment decisions as well. Yeah, that makes sense. And we do know from behavioral science that there are specific motivators behind an ACP's ego, or rather behind anyone's ego. One of those motivators is actually called ego or self-preservation. And this explains our tendency to want to look good to ourselves and in front of our colleagues. And for ACP's, of course, in front of their colleagues, in front of their patients. So then that might link into ACP is not acknowledging when they don't know something about a therapy area or about a treatment. They might not want to try something new. They might not want to be seen as pioneers and trialing something when they don't know how that something is going to turn out. Of course, this differs from ACP to ACP and there are different levels on this continuum. Again, what you mentioned, Tony, about the importance of reputation. You know, if they try something new, they might put themselves in a bad position. What if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't deliver the desired outcome for their patients? So they might want to protect themselves a little bit from anything that could impact on their reputation or self-esteem. This is making me think of an example that we've encountered in our work where some of the ACPs we talked to, they didn't want to refer their patients onto specialists because they were afraid of how that might look you know, on themselves if the patient did actually turn out not to have that specific disorder or if the specialist might think of the original ACP as should have been able to figure out that the patient had that disorder without referring. So they just wanted to protect themselves a little bit from other colleagues, let's say, and that impacted their referrals to specialists. Have you got any other ones in mind? Yeah, so one that comes to my mind is what's called the illusion of transparency, where we overestimate how much we understand someone else's perspective. So HCPs, they often do think that they understand the patient experience. They often overestimate at times how much they understand the patient experience. And this can mean that doctors may not ask patients you know, about their experience to the level of detail that is necessary and it can also mean that they rely on heuristics, for example, or biases in their decision making or their judgment, which impacts treatment decisions. And this can have really important consequences, especially for diagnosis. So, for example, in a recent project that we worked on, we found that HCPs rely on the representativeness heuristic. We found that HCPs, uh, rather than trying to really properly understand the patient experience and the stories that patients provide them about their heart palpitations, HCPs would often dismiss them as anxiety, especially if the patient was a woman or a young person. Because for HCPs, women and young people, they meet that mental prototype of someone who would have anxiety rather than a more kind of serious heart condition, right? And this can lead to diagnosis being missed very early on. And patients, you know, they go on for years having further heart palpitations from a heart condition that they've been thinking it's anxiety the whole time. 
So just going back on what you said earlier, Alex, about referring patients onto a different colleague, when it comes to feeling confident in their treatment area, we have an example in cardiology. So in this case, HCPs, they have to refer patients to a different centre. But we found that they weren't referring these patients to different centres as they were reluctant to give up control of looking after the patient in general. In terms of behavioural science, you have the diffusion of responsibility that makes some HDPs want to refer patients out. But you also have this sense of a loss of control that can make some HDPs in some contexts much more reluctant to do so. Yeah, and of course, it's all tying back to that uh, self-preservation to keep their self-esteem and reputation. And going back to what we said earlier about ASPs being the expert in the room and them having to be the expert in the room, this is where some very powerful behavioral science themes feed in. There are fetish of the same coin, so familiarity and ambiguity aversion. So familiarity heuristic is we find that when we find doctors sticking to what they know, so not trying a new treatment because they're just happy and familiar with what they know already. And that's a comfortable zone for them. And they know what to expect. They know they have reliability and they know the return they're going to get. And then the opposite side of the coin is ambiguity aversion. So afraid of trying something new, something they're not familiar with. This might not have the desired results. They don't know where they stand with a new thing. And it might even end up shaking their beliefs if they do something wrong that might make them not feel like the expert in the room anyway. And another theme that we see is called satisficing, which defines a decision-making process where ACPs just make do with what they currently use, even though they do tell us that there might be shortcomings with the therapy they're using. It's basically, you know, if it's good enough as a therapy, it stays. So that can also help alleviate some of that cognitive load and help reduce the strain and the pressure on their time. But now that we know some of the biases and heuristics that HPs tend to face, we thought we'd give you a, just a quick few ways of overcoming them. So firstly, it's important here to acknowledge that the work that HPs do can and is difficult, and the answers are not always clear-cut. There may be a lot of ambiguity with certain diseases, certain conditions that they have to diagnose and treat. But patients appreciate it and benefit when the ACP does refer them to a specialist or does try a new treatment or does talk to them about the challenges they face. One good way of bringing about behaviour change is through social proof. So this is briefly defined as humans look up to our peers and we may unconsciously follow their behaviour. A way of doing this in the context of healthcare is through messaging, for example. So you could lead with terms like X percent of your colleagues do action Y or Z, or this is the fastest growing amongst cardiologists. Another approach is through providing decision trees. So this is particularly for the, uh, we spoke about cognitive load earlier and the bias surrounding that. So one way of tackling cognitive load is providing HCP's decision trees for diagnostic or treatment decisions. This has been done quite well by the NHS through the NICE guidelines. Essentially, it massively reduces the amount of cognitive load that HCP's will have to use in, in order to make decisions. And so the decision is essentially mapped out in front of them when it comes to a diagnostic or a, a treatment decision within a specific area. And then they can use these decision trees as guidance, as a map to help them make somewhat better decisions under time pressure as well. And these decision trees don't have to be treated as complete gospel. They can just be used as pure guidance, but having one obviously makes the decision process a lot easier. Yeah, and it's also helpful for the ACPs to know that they feel supported and validated. As often, it's key to acknowledge directly that ACPs might need support. And it's not their fault sometimes if something is not easy to diagnose or treat. It's just the way it is. 
Well, thank you very much for listening. Hope you found this useful. Let us know if you have any thoughts on this podcast, any thoughts about themes that you may have encountered in ASP research, any questions, contact us at shift at hrwhealthcare.com or on Twitter at hrwshift. And you'll hear us on the next podcast. Thanks a lot, uh, Tony and Rory, for uh, joining and for imparting your knowledge. For now, it's goodbye from me. Bye. Thank you. Bye.